This is the Political Monitor Podcast, brought to you by the Concord Monitor. In today's show, the fact-checkers view from the ground. PolitiFact staff members are in the state, and they're on our podcast. My name's Clay Wirestone. I'm an editor and writer here at The Monitor, and I'm glad to welcome today, first of all, our usual guest, John Van Fleet, The Monitor's managing editor. Hi, John. Hey, Clay. And then our two very special guests from PolitiFact, we've got the... Uh, senior correspondent Lou Jacobson. Hi. Hi, Lou. Hi. And staff writer John Greenberg. Great to be here. It's good to have you guys here. So, um, so let's just start off. You guys have, have been here all, all, all week, right? Right. And um, we're actually here thanks to the support of our readers. We did a Kickstarter campaign about a year ago. Uh, and two of the levels for giving uh, were to send people to Iowa and to New Hampshire for a week. Um, so that is what brought John and me uh, to the state, um, and we're going to be here for five days each, um, seeing two to three events a day. You know, for, for me, it's a real homecoming, because right. I was with New Hampshire Public Radio for years and years and years, so mm-hmm. covered the uh, New Hampshire primary lots of times. Uh, this time, it all seems familiar, but I haven't been living with it day in, day out, the way you guys have, and it all just seems fresh and new. It's great. <laughs> the the opposite of how it seems to us. Well, that may be. <laughs> um, so you guys actually started started it on Monday, right? We did. We did. Um, uh, I have seen um, almost all the candidates. I'm going shortly to see Marco Rubio, but pretty much everybody else I've seen so far. Yeah, I caught... Um, let me see. I caught Kasich uh, mm-hmm. first thing, um, and uh, that was really interesting for me because just driving to the event, uh, I passed by the Scammon Farm, um, and you know, you just you know, it's 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 Doug Scammon, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you just know that they are establishment Republicans, and seeing the big sign Kasich for president out on the hillside, it just told me right that oh. This is where this guy stands, right? <laughs> right? And then, you know, you get to the event um, at the Portsmouth Country Club, and there's, you know, Johnny Sununu introducing him. And it's like, okay, I know where this is coming from. Tom Rath is in the back of the room. It just is a very different presentation than you get uh, when you've been looking at Iowa and mm-hmm. Kasich hasn't been a presence there, so you come in, and this is what this is what I mean. Like it's fresh for me. Right. I get to see the body of mainstream Republican support played out among familiar faces. It's cool for me too that you're back here, and so you know who Doug Scammon is. You know who Tom Rath is. Where some folks wouldn't know, wouldn't be able to pick them out in a crowd. So that's that. You you're bringing fresh eyes and New Hampshire roots. And I also noticed. Lou, that you were able to spot Bill O'Brien in some of your tweets. Mm-hmm. So you know who's who in New Hampshire, too. Yeah, um, I've been on a couple of reporting trips here in the past. Um, I've actually followed the story from all of the lower 48 states, uh, most of them uh, in a seven-year period. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I have a background nationally, uh, probably more than specifically New Hampshire, but I have some experience here as well. Well, and also, Lou, It's what's so interesting is Lou is a consummate political reporter, right? 
But this is your first New Hampshire first primary. New Hampshire primary. Yeah. Oh my god. Somehow goodness. I missed it. Yeah. Uh, uh, all this time. No, I. Uh, but it's different, isn't it? Um, it is. Uh, I really appreciate the fact that um, these are small events, uh, so you get real face-to-face -face access, both both as a journalist and as a district participant um, who lives here. Uh, um, I got to say, I've been pretty impressed with the uh, quality of the questions from the people who are attending. Um, obviously, they've been to a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, already, um, so it's not their first one typically. Um, but but they ask good questions, um, and uh, they're very respectful. And uh, uh, you know, the retail politicking here, um, I've been very impressed about. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's what New Hampshire is, is supposedly famous for. Although, you know, the, the ironic part is that we're perhaps headed to a primary where the person who's polling in front is the person who perhaps does some of the least of, amount of uh, retail politicking, at least on the Republican side, uh, as Donald Trump. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's pretty interesting. He isn't the only guy who is, is coming into this week and doing that. But certainly that seems to have been more of his style all the way through, and it doesn't seem to have hurt him. I mean, and, I mean, I, I look at this and I say, I'm like everybody else. I've never seen a primary like this. It just mm -hmm. is, it seems, I mean, Trump really defines the difference, but Sanders on the Democratic side defines that difference too. Yeah, certainly Trump, I mean, um, not only is this a different primary, he's a different kind of candidate. I mean, we've never seen anybody who has said things as outrageous as he has, and um, not not uh, sort of pay a penalty for it. Um, well, he was the PolitiFact Lie of the Year, basically, for 2015, we did, right? Uh, yes, we did rate statements the collective by Donald works. Yes, the <laughs> works. Statements by Donald Trump was our uh, 20, 2015 Lie of the Year. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, um, he, he definitely stands out for us. He definitely stands out. Uh, I think I and most other political reporters have underestimated him. Ever since he first entered the race, um, I never thought we'd be here in New Hampshire and he'd be uh, far ahead in the polls and um, still a really viable candidate. Yeah, I mean, on the Democratic side, it, the, the sort of the quintessential contest uh, is always between the establishment Democrat and the insurgent Democrat. We've seen it year after year, like, you know, Bradley against Gore. Uh, and then, of course, you had... Dean and Terry, um, exactly. and Obama and Clinton herself. Exactly, exactly. And it is always been the case that the insurgent seems interesting, then they fade at the end, um, and they are never given good odds. And of course, uh, the mind-blowing thing is you, you look at Sanders, and he's given really good odds coming in. Um, and partly that has to do with coming from a neighboring state. Uh, but of course, we know it's deeper than that. So here's something that I think actually unites both. And their policies are totally different, right? Don't, let's not confuse Sanders with Trump, right? But sure. um, I was talking last night to an old friend um, in New Hampshire, at Barley House, in fact. Sure, sure. Of course, where else? And, uh, Best venue, <laughs> that sort of thing. And the and so he turns out he's a Sanders supporter, but I didn't know that. And so I was, I was just being careful, but I said, you know, I do feel like a chunk of the supporters on both the Trump side and the Sanders side, that basically they are so fed up it doesn't matter about factual accuracy and so forth and so on, all of the pragmatic implementation type of things, right? Mm -hmm. 
Really what they want to do is they want to throw a stick of dynamite into Washington. And I couched my terms rather carefully. And he just looks at me and says, well, I'm a Sanders supporter and I agree with you. That is what I want. And this guy is your quintessential young professional. And um, he's in a very pragmatic line of work. And for him to say, I just want to, you know, he does the old sort of, uh, you know, the TNT explosive where you push the, the plunger down. He says, that's what I want to see happen. I think that that is, uh, of course, explains so much of what we see. But I, I'm surprised to hear it from where I do. I'm also, uh, so I was sort of surprised to see um, so many of the candidates that I've um, gone to hear um, saying, uh, um, Okay, you're thinking about John Kasich, governor, been in Congress. He's been in politics basically his whole life. Chris Christie, current governor, um, served uh, his second term now. Um, Jeb Bush, former uh, two, two-term governor. Um, these are folks who have uh, a record. Um, mm -hmm. uh, they've served a government for a long time. I thought maybe they would be sort of pitching themselves as being, you know, outside the beltway. Um, but, but they really haven't. They've uh, sort of kept on... Um, uh, you know, saying, I have the experience to do this, I have the background. Maybe New Hampshire is the only place in the country where there is this sort of uh, residual core of pragmatic, um, uh, you know, moderate, independent-minded people who, who aren't frustrated um, by uh, and sort of want to blow things up, uh, at least a segment of the population. And Fair so enough. there is a, uh, a sort of residual... Uh, desire, at least among some voters, for somebody who's kind of a grown-up. No, I, and uh, Lou, you're totally right, and I think that the big difference uh, between the Republican and Democratic contests is that, obviously, on the Republican side, all of the voters that you're talking about kind of get to divide right. among, let's say, four candidates. Right, right. Uh, and if those four candidates were one candidate, they would be in the lead. But as it is, they're you not. Know, they might not be in the lead. <laughs> well, they, would, they would be in contention anyway. They would, yes. yeah, it, would, it would be more of a horse race, yes. Right. Um, and, um, and, and here's the thing. And this is just like going back to my New Hampshire roots here, right? Um, I, the, on the Democratic side, historically, we have seen... Uh, a sort of a last-minute surge among the people who are going to participate in the Democratic primary. Uh, and they tend to be more cautious. Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't see that until the very end. And I would bet we're going to see it. Uh, the, the gap is so large. I haven't looked at any polling results and stuff like that, but the gap is still really hefty. Uh, but if past is any kind of prologue, this race uh, does definitely tighten up in the last couple of days. I, I think that's that's spot on. I cannot imagine that Bernie Sanders will win with like a 33-point margin, which is, I think, the most recent poll I saw yesterday yeah, but I, I'm, on the Democratic okay, side. Right. That seems yeah. highly implausible. So there would be, that would take a lot of dynamite in New Hampshire, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I mean, I just feel like I keep going back to the relationship between the, the Clintons and New Hampshire, which is, you mm. know, the, it, it's a state that really likes the Clintons and has had those ties for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, more younger people show up, they don't remember the Clintons as well. That's true. 
Well, and, and uh, you know, I went out to see uh, to Bernie Sanders in Keene on, on Tuesday, and it was really interesting to me because, you know, I'm, I'm not, the, not the oldest political hand, but I still have some memories of some campaigns from the 80s and early 90s. And to just have a candidate like Bernie Sanders come out on the stage of the Colonial Theater in Keene and, you know, say kind of the unabashedly liberal things he was saying, like you would have never thought that a candidate like that would be doing that well, you know, like back in the, the 80s or 90s when, you know, the Democrats had lost so many presidential elections in a row. And, and to just have someone come out there and it's, it's unabashed. I mean, his, his, and, and that's part of his appeal. I mean, he comes... <laughs> said to some people he comes out and yells at you for an hour that's pretty much his stump speech but it's but it's a good stump speech nonetheless yeah and it, I, I I do think it's heavily um, a stylistic difference um, sure there are some specific policy differences but uh, uh, I think Clinton and Sanders are far closer to each other than either is to the GOP um, oh, that's true uh, so I think style um, and uh, vision, if you want to call it that, uh, are, are, are the most important things which separate Sanders and Clinton. Yeah, we could unpack that just a little bit. I mean, you know, if um, you were to take a look at tax policy, uh, they, um, both Clinton and Sanders, say they're going to tax the rich more heavily. He'll go further in that direction than she does, but um, it is still... The general trend is that way. And, of course, on the Republican side, it is tax reductions. So it's, um, I think, a, uh, it, that's just one example where, yeah, they are different, but they are, are definitely more similar. Mm -hmm. Well, and, um, you know, again, just, you know, seeing, seeing Sanders, too, I mean, it, it, it brings to mind, I think, the statistic that I heard out of the Iowa caucuses, which were something along the lines of 84% or something of the voters under age 30 caucus, ended up caucusing for Sanders. I mean, an, an astonishing percentage of, of younger voters. And, and, I mean, that was definitely reflected in the audience at the, at the Sanders event. So, I mean, and that, that's both a good and a good and bad thing for him, obviously, because... The question is whether or not they turn out. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, that is always the toughest issue. But I, I would say that a lot of young people are going to show up. Uh, mm -hmm. And it, um, yeah, some are going to fall by the wayside uh, before they got to get to the polls. Um, the, um, you know, going back to if we take a look at Iowa, right? And look at the Republican race. Fundamental difference there is there'd be no question in some fashion that Trump's supporters were really pumped up, okay? Contrast to Cruz's, right? But the question is who had the ground organization to make sure all of those voters got to the polls? And Cruz had invested heavily in that. Yep. The question is in New Hampshire, you can bet your bottom dollar that Clinton has that kind of an organization. And then the question is how much uh, of a powerhouse has uh, Sanders put together to you know, make sure, even though his people might be incredibly passionate, will they actually get to the polls?
I think I've had probably in the last week and a half or so, three, at least three different Clinton people come by my house just to, to knock on the door. So um, we are taping this on Thursday. So we've got, let's see, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We've got about four, four or five days until we actually see the votes uh, start being cast here in the New Hampshire primary. So um, I understand Lou needs to be off here soon. So what are we going to what are you going to be looking for here in these next few days in New Hampshire? What, what, um, I mean, I'm not ex exactly asking for predictions, but um, kind of what do you think the big, what do you think the thing to follow is going to be in these next, next few days? Uh, well, I think um, what John says is correct, that it's a question of uh, can um, Sanders turn, um, turn enthusiasm into actual voting? Uh, it, it is a lot easier here. You just have to vote instead of caucusing in Iowa. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a far easier um, thing to do. Um, and on the Republican side, uh, you know, um, I, think, uh, I think the question is, um, will the sort of pragmatic, moderate, if you want to call it that, uh, candidates, um, can they coalesce into one? Are they still going to be splintered? Will they leave here um, still splintered? Or will some fall by the wayside and that segment of the vote kind of coalesce. Okay, so for me on the Republican side, right. I am most interested in seeing what happens with John Kasich. John Kasich is the sleeper nationally, right? Mm -hmm. He don't get no respect, but I definitely am picking up that there's something going on there. So how much of a something is, is there is going to matter a whole lot, not so much for Trump and Cruz, but for Rubio. So mm -hmm. that's what I'm looking to see and on the Democratic side, uh, over the next couple of days, Clinton is the one who has something to lose. And uh, what I would be watching for, is there going to be the statement or the issue or something that sours people just a little bit more on her? She's got the baggage. She's got the issues, the speaker's fees, uh, the emails, and, and just stuff like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's what I'll be waiting to see. Is there something that kind of tips it the wrong way for her? And John, just a point. I... Uh um, I took part in a panel in Western Pennsylvania um, right after the 2014 elections, and the moderator asked all of us on the panel who we thought would be the two nominees. My GOP choice was John Kasich. So uh, <laughs> you, you're the um, Mac. I'm you probably going to be wrong in the end about that, but this this could be Pete Kasich right here, right <laughs> in the state right now. And he's been really forthcoming in terms of what New Hampshire means for his campaign. He's basically said, if, if I do poorly here, that's the end. You, you, know, you won't have me to kick around. Whereas other folks like Jeb Bush and Chris Christie, that's true as well, but they're not saying so as clearly as Kasich is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're going to see a, a bunch of changes in the race probably right after Tuesday night's voting. <laughs> no my, kidding. Would be my guess. <laughs> so, um, so Lou and John, thanks so much for coming in. And Thank talking. you for having us. Okay. Oh, this is great. Thanks. So hi, John. Clay. The, the other John and Lou have departed now, but we are taking up the tail end of the podcast now. Yes. It's nice to have other folks come in and just be so lively and invigorated about this because sometimes 
it can be a little depleting for those of us who are here all the time. We're, we've been running a long race, you know, where the finish line is in sight. And so you've got your, your little bit of fatigue hitting, uh, hitting the finish line. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this week has been a lot of work and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I got out to some of the events. You got out to some of the events. We're doing our fact-checking. So it's cool. This is what it's been all about. And, and we've been trying to put things out on a daily basis to the readers that reflect what's going on out there in the political world to give them some um, information that helps them make informed decisions and also gives them uh, an idea of where the candidates stand on various issues. So we're really trying to, whether you're, you're someone who's been paying attention all along or someone who's just awoken to the fact that there's an election Tuesday, there should be content in the paper on a daily basis for both of those types of readers. And, of course, our online audience. Exactly. With such gems like this podcast. Well, and this podcast, our quizzes, and our, uh, our, our tweets as well, mm-hmm. which I was tweeting out from that Bernie Sanders event, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were telling me before we started taping this segment, John, that you had some breakdowns on PolitiFact numbers that you were hoping to uh, torment our guests with. Well, I... Uh... I like spreadsheets, and so I had done this once before, and I had tallied all of the candidates' performance on the on the truthometer, basically how they fare, how truthful they are, and there's there's two main calculations that I find useful. The first being how often are they mostly false to pants on fire? So this would be the cutoff for untruthful. Statements that are on the untruthful side of the the truthometer, and then right. there's just a straight up, who's got the most pants on fires? Right. So, uh, you want to take any guesses? Um, well, my at least on the Republican side, uh, the Politifact designation of all of Donald Trump's statements as the lie of the year for 2015 would suggest that he is the leader on the Republican side. All right. So that in which category? Well, he's. I would say he's definitely the leader in Pants on Fire. Okay. But I think that's probably all that I would feel comfortable predicting. As luck would have it, Clay, you are correct. Donald Trump. It's not luck, it's skill. <laughs> what a skill for prediction that exactly, was. Exactly, yes. Uh, Donald Trump uh, has 20% of his statements have been ruled Pants on Fire. One out of five. At nineteen point eight, to be precise, uh, his his general uh, mostly false to pants on fire. That's three quarters of the time, seventy six percent. But he is not the leader in that category. Right. My my speculation as to who the leader would be is probably someone like um, Ben Carson. But and you, sir, would be right again. There we have it. 84% of the time, Ben Carson has been rated between mostly false and lower, mostly false mm-hmm. and pants on fire. But his 11.5% of the time, he has got pants on fire. So the on the other end, the most truthful of all the Republicans would be Jeb Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 
on the lower end of the spectrum roughly one-third of the time. So two-thirds of the time he is he's true to mostly true to half true. Um, behind that, Chris Christie fares pretty well. John Kasich fares pretty well. Almost identical to Jeb. And um, Rand Paul, who is no longer actually a candidate, is uh, also fares quite well. Well, and of course, it, the important thing to note is that all of these kind of scores and tallies are just based upon, of course, the statements that PolitiFact has chosen to check. Yes. Which is, you know, kind of a, you know, kind of an important caveat there. So you're saying these are non-scientific numbers? Well, I think the point is, is that PolitiFact, I mean, the kind of the governing principle of PolitiFact is you're not, you're not checking a statement like everyone deserves health care or I will make America safe. You're, you're trying to check something that is actually checkable. Quantifiable, a, yes, not opinions, a, not a predictions. A specific, you know, quantifiable, you know, a specific uh, kind of statement. And in a way that, that disadvantages some candidates and advantage, you know, and, and helps others. You mm -hmm. know, if you're a candidate who speaks basically in platitudes in a way, it's difficult to uh, to fact check that because there's nothing to actually. Why are you picking on Annie Custer? I'm not saying anything about anyone by name. Okay, so uh, on the Democratic side, though, how does how does it bre break down over there? All right, well, uh, Hillary's been fact checked far more than Bernie, which is understandable, but their records are remarkably similar, with one exception. Mm -hmm. So uh, Hillary is. False to, I'm sorry, mostly false and lower 29% of the time. And Bernie has got an almost identical record 30% of the time. He is mostly false or below. So the exception is Hillary Clinton on her record has one pants on fire. Bernie's got none. That's interesting. It is. Especially because that might change before Tuesday's up. It's difficult to know, isn't it? It, it is difficult to know, but it, it, uh, anything it's can change. It's certainly possible. These, and I, it should also be stated that these numbers are based on how the candidates fared on the truth of meter yesterday. So this is from the beginning of PolitiFact's inception until yesterday. So this isn't this campaign season. This is their entire PolitiFact right. record. Which, for someone like Hillary Clinton, obviously dates back pretty substantially. Mm -hmm. um, While Ben Carson, for example, doesn't have a, uh, very much of a record. Exactly. Um, or rather, shallower record. Right. Um, so, we're losing candidates, too. This was something I wanted to bring up with the guys but didn't have time with uh, Lou and John Mark II. Or John Mark I, I guess, since he's older than you. Um which is that we have lost four candidates now, just in the space of, you know, since the Iowa caucuses ended and today, um, four, four presidential candidates have dropped out. Mm -hmm. And um, can you identify them? Sure. We've got uh, Huckabee, O'Malley, Rand Paul, and everyone's, New, the New Hampshire darling, Rick Santorum. He was actually due to come to, to the state tomorrow. And... Uh, word on the street was his campaign didn't have enough money for the airfare. I see. I, I will say that that there are two candidates of two of those four candidates surprised me that they they dropped out. 
Um, Huckabee and Santorum did not because they were both social conservatives and having a poor showing in Iowa, you know, would understandably uh, damage their campaign hopes. Um, but I was, I was surprised that Martin O'Malley didn't at least wait through the New Hampshire primary because I know he had some very devoted supporters here, some mainstream supporters as well. And, you know, he'd been running a very lean operation. So I can't imagine that an extra week would have taxed his organization that much. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Rand Paul, who, I mean, his entire point of running is, was to provide a libertarian alternative to the Republican Party. Uh, again, you would expect that New Hampshire would be a fertile ground for that kind of campaign. I know he hasn't been polling well here, but still, it's surprising to me that he didn't stick it out. I agree. I mean, you're so close to the primary. He could have just, you know, just seen how the results turned out. But on the other hand, I think he saw the writing on the wall. Um, I think there's a lot of people in New Hampshire that are disappointed. And, then, and matter of fact, he's going to be on the ballot. I would imagine a lot of people are still going to vote for him because uh, their choice is a libertarian choice, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it's, it's also just surprising to me that if you go back four years and you see how Rand Paul's father did, Ron, I mean, Ron Paul did excellently in New Hampshire mm -hmm. at, at that time. So, yes, yeah, so Ron Paul here in New Hampshire in 2012, he finishes in second place. I mean, that was, and, and people, people didn't necessarily give him a huge amount of credit for it at the time. But it was still a striking result. I mean, just given that he had that kind of libertarian support, and it was a, a largely support from, uh, there were a lot of young people who supported him as well. And, I mean, obviously that's one of the reasons why Rand Paul was so bullish on a presidential campaign. Mm -hmm. He saw those results from his dad's campaign and felt, you know, I'm a, a younger, somewhat more dynamic candidate. Um, and I'm actually in government right now. I'm a senator, somewhat higher profile than a, than a rep in the House. Um, surely I can do well, as well or better. And, um, and I think a lot of mainstream media folks thought that too. So, you know, I, I think when those, the, the post-2016 campaign books are written, the fall of Rand Paul is going to be a, an, an interesting section. Well, you, you mentioned, you cite his youth it's interesting to note that he's young enough that after four more years of Washington dysfunction, or perhaps eight, then you might not have heard the last of Rand Paul. He may have a chance in the future to come forward and, and have his message take root while it, while it didn't necessarily do so this time around. Right. Um, well, it's going to be interesting. There's the big Democratic debate tonight. True. Not at the University of New Hampshire. And I'm working to get you in there, Clay, because uh, it would be good to have not just Ella there, but one of our columnists and fact checkers in attendance to keep everybody in check. Yes. Well, we'll cross our fingers on that. But well, don't you worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, John, well, uh, we will we will speak again soon before the uh, before the actual primary happens. So there will be a special podcast. There will be Monday. At least on Monday, possibly before. Okay. We will see. Fantastic. John, thank you. Thank you, Clay.
Thanks for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to episodes of this podcast series through iTunes or Stitcher. And for all the latest, visit politics.conqueredmonitor.com. We'll see you all in just a few days.